talk to you for a second? What? Pino, who's your favorite basketball player? Magic Johnson. Who's your favorite movie star? Eddie Murphy. Who's your favorite rock star? Prince. You're a Prince Boss. Prince. Bruce. Prince. Bruce. Pino, all you ever talk about is nigga this and nigga that. And all your favorite people are so-called niggas. It's different. Magic, Eddie, Prince are not niggas. I mean, they're not black. I mean, let me explain myself. They're, they're not really black. I'm, I mean, they're black, but they're not really black. They're, they're more than black. It's, it's different. It's different? Yeah, to me, it's, it's different. You know, deep down inside, I think you wish you were black. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Laugh if you want to. You know, your hair is kinkier than mine. What does that mean? And you know what they say about dark Italians? You know, I've been listening and reading. You've been reading now? I read. I've been reading about your leaders. Reverend Al, Mr. Do, Sharp Tone, Jesse. Keep hope alive. That's fucked up. Keep hope alive. Hey, that's fucked. Don't talk about Jesse. And uh, even uh, the other guy, what's his name? Uh, Farrakhan. Farrakhan. Uh, Minister Farrakhan. Right, sorry. Minister Farrakhan. Anyway, Minister Farrakhan always talks about the so-called day when, when the black man will rise. We will one day, what does he say? We will one day rule the earth as we did in, in our glorious past. Yeah, that's right. What past are you talking about? I mean, what, what did I miss? We started civilization. Man, keep dreaming, man. Then you woke up. Pino, fuck you. Fuck your fucking pizza and fuck Frank Sinatra. Yeah, well, fuck you too and fuck Michael Jackson. Scary Hill, and with me tonight is Suzanne. Greetings from a block away from where I used to live. Glorious. How's that going for you? I love this house. Cool. I cannot even express how absolutely happy I am here. How's the phrase go? Uh, me and Pat are happy that you're really happy, or it's like be very crappy at how it works, or... No. Oh yeah, as Pat says, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, so far. <laughs> With us also as well is Iris. How are you? I am doing dandy. How y'all doing? 
Fine, fine, fine. Awesome, awesome. And Jamie's here as well. I am. Mostly. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm kind of on autopilot these days. Yeah. Getting that sleep yep. in when you can? Um, yeah, it's kind of like when you have a baby and they tell you to sleep when the baby sleeps, you know. Uh, now I'm just kind of like sleep when you have when you don't have a job to go to and that's not all that often <laughs> because I have all the jobs Jamie be working she be working but um yeah I, I'm actually trying to see how long I can go I've, I have not let's see my last day off was July 11th Jesus and so I'm trying to see how long I'll go before I actually go insane <laughs> She's going. She's going for the record, people. Oh um, my god! Because she works house. hard for her money. Yes. I do uh, love the new job, though. I really do. The third job. I love that. <laughs> um, hopefully, it'll be down to one before too long. That's my goal. But um, uh, Iris, ephemeral for morning sickness. Pass it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that a lady thing? Because I get sick every morning, right? Front of right where I gotta go. <laughs> I work. Well, with... I guess you could take it too. It probably wouldn't matter because you wouldn't have a baby to then become a scanner, so you'd probably be okay. Man, wouldn't it be awesome <laughs> though, having a scanner baby? You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Until over... he got pissed off at you and blew your head off. Well, <laughs> yep. I, would, I would know better. The other babies would not, though. He'd be, he'd be king of the babies. You know? <laughs> king of the babies. <laughs> Make a baby shit their pants at his will. Oh, God. My baby would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> Make another baby shit their pants. Why not? Why not? Release your bowels, you little bastard. Okay. You know. Oh, my gosh. Um. Yeah, I want to start the show off by saying something. Uh, you didn't see a show for, like, three weeks. Because, or even, like, a month, maybe. I forget what it was. But, um, it's because something happened on one of the show me and Suzanne recorded. Not any fault to Suzanne, it's my own big mouth. I had to censor myself for four seconds. I had to make that decision whether I was supposed to do that or not. And uh, it really made me take a hard look at myself to say, you know, do I leave it in there and sound asshole-ish and maybe possibly lose some friends? Or do I cut four seconds of audio? So I decided to cut four seconds of audio. It just took a long time to decide that. And then a long time to get creative once again to, to come on to this back onto the show that you guys probably, I hope you guys like, you know, but <laughs> thanks for listening though, for sure. But, um, so I'm sorry, you know, Jamie mentioned on a uh, devour that, you know, Oh yeah, we, we haven't done sin and beef in a while. And, like, like it was your fault. No, it ain't your fault, girl. It, it, it was my fault for, for not doing anything. Oh no, it's totally my fault. No, I mean, no, it's, not. I, it's my fault that even when you have done it, I haven't been here every time. That's okay. You know? You ain't obligated you ain't obligated here every time if you don't if you can't, you know. But um yeah, that's that's that. I had to lay that out there for you guys, because uh I felt really uh down on myself about that and I I felt down creatively too. I shut down. I didn't want to do anything else. But <laughs> unfortunately oh, I'm the, sorry you felt that way, Gary. No, it's, it's alright. I, I didn't quit or anything. Just just let the backlog of stuff to do to edit and uh it happens. Yeah, whatever. But we're here. Uh Let's kick that monkey out the door right now, and I'll ask Iris what she's been watching. 
Well, I recently, uh, I went to go see the first Purge with my son. And that was, it was interesting. I liked, I liked the, uh, you know, (laughs) it's just a little too realistic and true to form right now. (laughs) Because we are like inches away from that. (laughs) I am serious. We are inches away. Uh, But it was, it was a good watch. I I enjoyed it. Um, But my son and I were talking and uh, after the movie and he says, um, you know, it'd be really interesting. And I'm like, what? He goes the next day, you know, that uncomfortable, awkward kind of meeting when you see your neighbor and like, uh, right. sorry, I killed your husband. <laughs> you know, I go, Ooh, that would be interesting. But, uh, yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed the movie. It was pretty good. And then, um, uh, I watched a great Gatsby for the first time, the, the DiCaprio one. And, um, visually stunning movie uh soundtrack's amazing um and some people don't think it really sticks to the story but i think it does because even though you're seeing all this opulence and everything to me if you've read the book and you know the story you know that these people are just a bunch of shitheads anyway so um uh, that was really good and then um, um what else have i watched and I think that's pretty much it because I've been doing a lot of reading so um, and listening to other podcasts. So it's pretty much it. Okay. Uh, Suzanne. Oh, since I've been moving, I've had no time and uh, no internet for a few days, which was a little, uh, a little fucked up. But we ended up kind of... We went, I went back and watched... The original Matrix, I haven't watched The Matrix in years, and it just never ceases to amaze me what a great movie that is. And I finally got around to watching my Shout Factory director's cut of Lord of Illusions, and it's one of those movies, I love it, I love the director's cut, because the director's cut just adds, you know, a little bit more, maybe not background, but you get to see what the cult members were doing in the meantime. And I always wish that they they had expanded on that character. He's such he's so intriguing. And I've also been as I said, no no net, no TV, and I couldn't find my DVD, so I did my fair share of reading. I read the book that Iris recommended to me, Jimmy, by William Malmsberg. Yeah, that's so good. Oh my god, I the ending. Okay, I'm I'm highly recommending Jimmy. Thank you, Iris. That is it, that is one fucked up book. It, oh, it's I wonderful. I couldn't put it down. Every time I would, you know, when we were moving, I take a, a quickie smoke break. I could find some place to sit, and I always carried my Kindle with me so I could at least get another chapter in before I had to go back in and pack my shit up. And That's I just a real started. Good story. Oh, it is. I just started Santa took them. I've got to read everything this guy has done. Him and, you know, my other new favorite, Ronald Malfi. I'm just, I've got, I'm surrounded by so many good books. And I, I did finally get a chance to sit down and watch the very first episode of Castle Rock, which I'm trying not to fall into it right away because I've got way too much shit to do to sit around and watch every episode. There's, I think there, I believe there's like four or five now. 
but I've got to wait until I get a little more done to watch the next episode. It's like a treat thing. Um, geez, I think honestly, that's about it. I've been moving, reading, and I've watched a, a handful of movies on the side when I've had a few minutes where I can keep my eyes open long enough to do so. Fair enough. Uh, JJ, what you been watching? Um, oh, first of all, a note on Iris's thing. Oh, your son. I, I actually think that would be a really good idea because just because it's legal doesn't mean that people aren't going to be pissed about it. And I would love to see the ramifications of that. And kind of on that same note, we watched a film that Brian got for review uh, called The Cured. And it was produced and stars, uh, produced by and stars Ellen Page. And it takes place in Ireland. And uh, it's really good. It's, it's, Okay, this disease called the maze has infected, uh, like it's been just like swept the UK, and it's kind of like the the disease in Twenty Eight Days Later, in that it turns you into this like raving, homicidal, cannibal, just like a vicious killer kind of thing, and. So it's very similar in that in that it's like a, a ragey thing, and you're like really f- like just fast and all that. But the 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 crux of this film is that it, this is in the aftermath, and they have found a cure for it. But the cure only has worked on seventy five percent of the infected people, and so there are twenty five percent of the people who are still or who are resistant to the cure, and so you have them releasing the cured back out into society and we see how society does or does not accept them and then they're also at the same time trying to find a way to deal with the ones who are resistant to the cure and the government wants to uh, basically eliminate them you know because as long as they are alive then the disease will not be eradicated so it's I mean it's very very good it it kind of reminded me of that UK TV show In the Flesh a bit um, in that it kind of deals with you know coming like being folded into society kind of thing so it um, like if you are a fan of the 28 Days Later 28 Weeks Later films then I would say this is like a very good companion to that as far as it would make a really good triple feature with those films um it, it really digs into a, a lot of moral issues and i don't know i really enjoyed it i had no idea it was out there i'd never heard anything about it and then it just sort of showed up on the doorstep and uh, it's i just was wow like it's very good so i usually love irish films though too so that didn't really surprise me but Anyway, so I do recommend that one highly. And there was another one that we caught uh, a while back called Our House, which was a really cool idea. It's about this kid who um, he's basically like a genius and where he's in college and he has this um, project kind of like in the vein of Tesla, where he's attempting to harness wireless electricity. But 
in doing so, he's because all right. By doing so, he ends up fucking with the electromagnetic fields, and you know, if you watch a lot of ghost stuff or whatever, then you know, there's all the theories about electromagnetic fields and and ghostly happenings and. And it's kind of cool what ends up happening because at first he doesn't think his machine works and then we find out it does, but it doesn't do exactly what he wanted it to do. So, uh, but it was, you know, I give it points for originality. I think it's very cool in that respect. And uh, it was definitely worth a watch. So I've, I've been pleasantly surprised with movies I've never heard of. <laughs> so, you know, I like when that happens. Yeah, me too. You just take spokes to turn them on. Uh, turn me on to them, you know. But uh, you're getting them in for for screeners or whatnot. So I guess Brian's got to watch them to review them. So and you get that 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 golden uh that golden <laughs> egg in there that could be really good. Um, anything else? Jamie? Oh, real. I'm um, I'm sorry. Real quick, I wanted to. I had forgot. Our house is available on Shutter. If anybody does want to watch that, it's a Shutter original film. Oh, so. When was it released? I haven't looked at Shutter in a couple of days. Yeah, so I recommend that. And then um, the Ellen Page movie, The Cured, is uh, on Blu-ray from Scream Factory. So, cool. I haven't really watched anything like new. I guess uh, as far as like first-time watches or whatnot, I um, Avengers: Infinity War hit VOD, so I watched that like three times already in two days. I know it doesn't seem like priority one, but I really wanted to watch it three times in two days for some reason. <laughs> or like two and a half times. If I, I, my 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 eyelids watched it the third time, I think. Cause I watched it before I was ever lay down. Um, there's that. Watching a whole lot of Buffy lately because I've been doing this rewatch of, of the whole series. I, and, you know, because <laughs> I guess I got inspired to to continue when I heard the news of the 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 follow up series or whatnot or reboot or whatever Joss Whedon's doing with that shit. But um I'm deep into uh the sixth season now where she has her trio of 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 geek supervillains, which is it's a fun storyline. It leads to some pretty edgy stuff or Willow's girl gets shot by one of them and Willow gets all the dark magic center and uh that's that's a lot of fun and you forget um rewatching it now I, I, I never noticed before, especially when wherever the plot point is where Spike starts to fall in love with Buffy, and uh, he has that scene where after she's resurrected at the op- the opener of the sixth season, like there's a part where he like grabs Xander by the shirt, basically saying, you know, she could have come back wrong, you know, stuff like that, yada yada yada. And I never knew he could emote that way. I just never noticed it until now <laughs> that James Marsters, who plays uh, Spike, can emote that way, and and that's fine. I really like the Spike character. They they shoehorned him into that season five by Angel and it was spectacular, and then Angel didn't end and I had a real problem with it. But that's that's here nor there. It's it was me. Yeah, I'm real sketchy on that Whedon fellow. <laughs> I've never been a big, big fan of Firefly either. I never seen the appeal myself, but people like it. I... Oh God, do you ask me how many times Pat and I have watched the series and times that by ten as to how many times Pat's watched it by himself. I guess I guess I gotta watch it again. But uh, when I when I met Adam Baldwin for a friend, I, I said, you know what? I really enjoyed DC Cab way too much. And then I handed him my friend's Firefly figure to sign, you know. And there's there's that, you know. 
I can't leave out my bodyguard either. His his. Body. That's that's probably my favorite movie that he was in. Yeah. I love that movie. Oh, DC Cab's such, such an ensemble though. So we're we're gonna do that one day. Just like two films. I watched that. Yeah, have a like massive ensemble cast that don't make any sense. Dude, I watched that so much when I was a teenager because it was always on HBO. So so bad, but it's so good. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's really good. It, it's like I ended up on HBO for one entire summer. They showed two movies, DC Cab and Dr. Detroit. No, that's a bad summer. I'm not bigger than Dr. Detroit fellow. <laughs> oh, God, no, that, but that was all that was on late night HBO. I'm like, come on, man, give me something else. I need boobs and blood. It's like I, I saw that Dragon movie for the first time ever, like, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, people like this when I was a kid? I was like, I'm not a big fan of this, you know? Oh, come on. It's just kind of there. I don't know. There are just certain things about that movie that just make it incredibly funny. The Virgin, Connie Swale. Could you pick a more virginal name than Connie Swale? Mm. <laughs> That's about it for me, though. Um, we'll move into our next segment, which is the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who know how to try it. Mine's the deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Iris, you got anything this week? Actually, no. This has been a very, very good week for me. So, I mean, not even the heat has been bugging me. So, I think I'm doing pretty good. I mean, all I have is is happy thoughts. Yay. That's good. Happy thoughts are good. I'll move on to Suzanne. You got any beefs, girl? (laughs) She's laughing. Of course I do. Must be something good. You know, here you go. Oh, no, um, well, moving sucks. Um, we couldn't even get a couple of extra days to, you know, spend a little extra time cleaning because the guy was being such an asshole. And Pat accidentally, you know, he missed the turn and ended up driving by the old place. And apparently there's a very large family that was sitting on the porch out front today. I'm like, well, I guess you're just going to suck them for more money. And, well... Uh, I hope you get that black mold taken care of. Um, Thursday afternoons at Jewel Osco is, it, it's a suicide run. Actually, no, it's a, it's, it's a suicide bomber run. It took me five minutes to find a parking place because I was waiting for someone who was about 800 pounds in one of those little scooters. Yeah. And motherfucker, you need to get the fuck up and walk. Wouldn't be 800 fucking pounds if you walked. 20 fucking feet but no it i had to wait five minutes for him to cross the path in front of my car and it's not fat shaming it's not i'm i'm a big person myself gary is a big person suzanne just just turn on the phone i'll say be nice suzanne be nice you know (laughs) but when you are that much of a lazy fucker then you fucking deserve it Mm. You know, I I fight with my weight on a daily basis. I park further away just so I can get some extra walking in. And I put 7,000 steps on my pedometer today, running up and down the stairs here. You know, I'm working my ass off. 
But no, this useless fuck just carting along in the little thing that could barely move. Yeah, we should probably edit this part of it out, mm-hmm. Gary. Only if you want me to. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying. I actually, you know, to this person, I am being mean because get the fuck up and walk. It drives me insane. I see really elderly people who are actually having a hard time walking, and yet I got I, I got this 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 fucker who's just too fucking lazy to get the hell up and walk, and that absolutely infuriates me. Those people are always good for a good back scratch. You know, one of those bamboo ones, man. You know, just get those tight oh, spots. You know? I mean, if I'm definitely over the line here, someone please say something to me about it. No, I've, I've seen this in places, especially not not as heavy as you're speaking of, but people that are, you can tell they're just like ghetto princesses who just riding around in this cart like nobody's business. And Yeah, and like I said, I see elderly people at this place that, you know, it's, can't get a cart because all the lazy people are riding them. And that... I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, that it just pisses me off to no end. I, I could take it a step further down and tell them that I don't know why it's not Wednesday because the brownies are a Wednesday, Jewel, and they're pretty banging those brownies from Jewel, you know. Oh God, I'd, I, I'd kill for some. Oh wait, one of my friends went and hunted down uh, raspberry coconut zingers for me oh. to keep me sane while I move. Those are gold, man. I love those things. <laughs> Oh, yeah, one of my friends actually went and found a couple of packs of them to uh, apparently keep me from losing my shit while we were moving. And, okay, that is my bitch, but I have to add one more nice thing. I actually, the main reason I wanted to stay where I am, because I have made really good friends here. At one point on Sunday, I had seven people here helping us move. Seven the last move, it was me and Pat, but we had so much help and everybody was willing to give up a couple of hours to toss some boxes around and lift some heavy stuff. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. So I have my bitch and my my thank you to my friends. Well, that's good. You know, the fat folks have problems. I, I had a problem when hostess came back and the Susie Q's are about half the size they once were. You know, those, those, are, those are fat kid problems right there. You, you notice these kind of things. And, you know, you know these Twinkies taste different. And they fucking do. And it bothers me. And Twinkies taste different. You know? No, my, my coconut raspberry zingers taste exactly the way coconut raspberry zingers should taste. And that's, that's just, that's like God intended right there, see? Yeah. Absolutely. Jamie, uh, you got any interesting snack foods or beef girl for us? Come on now. <laughs> I don't have any snack foods. I do. Um, I was a little irritated with what happened to James Gunn. I gotta say. That was some bullshit. That was some bullshit. And I just, I, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Really? I mean, Okay, maybe you don't think the jokes were funny. Personally, I actually thought they were funny, but, you know, whatever. They were funny, and it was how many years ago? It was, what, 7, 12, 10? I don't even fucking long time ago. doesn't even fucking matter. Like, it means nothing. I am so sick of people dredging up social media comments from 15 years ago and saying, look, that's not what you said back then. Get the fuck out of here. Before we had social media, you couldn't have done that shit. 
you know, and now you're just, and now I guess there are going to be some people who say, well, then people would have gotten away with a lot back then. Well, you know what? People change, people grow. You know, I, I probably said things, you know, to be perfectly honest, I don't think I've grown. I think I would say exactly the same things now that I said when I said them back then. Um, and I'm okay with that. Whatever. If you, if you don't like my humor, you don't like my humor. Get over it. That's, I mean, I'm sorry. Not, I mean, I'm not sorry, but too bad, I guess, is what I'm saying. And if you don't think his jokes were funny, oh, well. I mean, so what? Don't How watch is that movies. hurting anyone, you know? If you, if you don't think the jokes were funny, don't watch his fucking well, see, movies. that's exactly what Disney does not want you to do. Disney doesn't want anyone yeah, to um, watch some the movies. Little, some, someone just got pissed off a good offhand comment. And now everybody suffers for it. I know, it's ridiculous. I mean, Disney's like, oh, shit. You know, a handful of people might not go to a movie because they don't like his edgy humor. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. Seriously. Mm, that's One, shut the fuck up. I'm just, I don't want to hear it. I, I really, I just leave the man. You just ruined <laughs> this man's life right here. I mean, I'm sure he's going to recover and he'll have other jobs. But this affects not only him. This affects the entire crew. These are people who have done these this series of films with him from the beginning. They're a family. They got a whole sign statement by the whole cast and basically Disney to go fuck themselves, so... I mean, it's it's just it is beyond ridiculous, you know. Um, I'm I don't know. I mean, I'm just every time you turn around, someone is dragging something out of the woodwork, and it's just. I mean, if you find out, okay. I mean, and I'm not saying nothing that people did in their past matters. If I find out that you know. Someone that I really enjoy watching in a movie, you know, murdered his grandmother six years ago. Okay, that's probably good information to have, you know, but whether or not they made what some people consider a tasteless joke. And it's not even like it was a it, it like a harmful thing. It just some people didn't think it was funny. I actually thought they were funny. I mean, but whatever. I don't think I don't think humor has boundaries. I really don't. There are things that I find funny and there are things that I don't find funny and I have the right to find things not funny. But that doesn't mean I'm going to tell you you can't tell a joke that I don't think is funny. That's I don't have that right. You can tell whatever joke you want. I can either laugh or not. But I also don't think I have the right to fucking fire you because I don't think a joke is funny. I just it's bullshit. It's straight up bullshit. I was really pissed and you know, if that kind of thing happens to anybody, it makes me pissed off. It's not like I'm this like huge James Gunn fan. I'm not. I mean, oh, I like his work okay, but I'm I, not like I, a huge James Gunn fan. I'm not. I, I don't even like the. I don't even like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I really don't. I I watched the first one twice. The second time was to see if I liked it better. Eh, it was okay. The really the only part that I like is when Star Lord is doing his little dance number thing, mm. like in the very beginning. Beyond that. I mean, I think the raccoon is cute and Groot. And then, but as far as like the film on the whole, I don't like it. I didn't even watch the second one. So this is not like some holy crap, you're ruining something that I love kind of thing. I don't give a shit about the movies. But it's that it's the whole point, you know, that this man's livelihood has now been fucked because of something he said offhandedly a dozen years ago. 
And, and, and pointed out that he said these things and apologized for this way before he worked for Disney, for, I might add. And right. Then, then I mean, he he himself has said he's grown since then. He's like, you know, I'm not this guy anymore. You know. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's some people are just never going to let it go. They're going to find a way to twist it into their own agenda and screw somebody's livelihood up. They, they let some internet troll dictate how they do business. This is what bothers me the most. That some fucking schmuck says like, hey, hey, look what I found that, that's already been pointed out. Yeah, oh yeah. And they, now, I miss I miss the time I grew up in when we didn't like mm-hmm. something. When we, yeah. You just ignored it. You ignored it. You, you shut ignored it off. It. You didn't listen <laughs> to it. You turned the channel. That's how Maybe. we dealt with it. I'm, that's not my thing. Click tweets that the the other day the asshole had taken him totally out of context and it was a girl. He took him out of t- context and posted that she had tweeted these things. Only he, oh no, it was um not a girl. <laughs> Who's the comedian? He's always in everything. I mean, he always puts his two cents in everything on Twitter. Patton Oswalt. Oh yeah. Um, there were some tweets that Patton Oswalt had made, and I forget his name. That that fucking jerk. But anyway, he was um. He's like he's like the hugest. Twi- this is what he does. Like he drags people. He was I think it was still the same the James Gunn guy. But anyway, still, still the same guy. Yeah. What the fuck is his name? But anyway, I don't, you know what? I don't care about his name. But anyway, he was dragging up tweets from Patton Oswalt, cutting off the first tweet, like the first portion of the tweet, because like it was back in the days when it would like you'd put out a long tweet and it would just say like one of one of two, two of two, three of or one of, one of three, two of three, three of three or whatever if it all wouldn't fit. So he would just conveniently not post the first part of it. And he would only post like the second part, which would sound, which if you take, take off the first part, it would sound really incriminating. Like, um, he said something about, ah, damn it. I wish I could remember exactly what they were. It was really, it was kind of funny how it changed just taking off the first part of the tweet at the same time. I was like, you massive dick, you know what you did. You know what you did. You purposely cherry-picked something that would look bad when you know damn well that's not what he said. And it just, it, I can't stand that. And then the worst part is people take that and run with it. They take, they just take what someone else posts, take that as fact, and then that then is, you know, what they base their opinion on and it's stuck in stone. And you can't, so they have this opinion of this person that they don't know anything about because they never bothered to do any research on it. They just saw it online and said, oh shit, it must be true. Hey, why, Welcome why, to the new generation. Why would you pick Patton Oswalt of all people? I mean, the man here is like the nicest guy in the world. And plus, you know, he, he lost his wife. You know, he got married right, right away. I'm sure it was at the request of his wife, you know, to, you know, don't be lonely because he got married like right away to, uh, Meredith Salinger, yeah. of all people, you know, who who finished his wife's work to help a, a killer, to, to find a killer that's been killing for a long, to kill for a long time. And, you know, yeah. why would you pick Patton Oswalt? I, I, just, I just blows my you mind. You know, and I love him, too, because he is never afraid to say what's on his mind. <gasps> no. He's never afraid to just say, basically, fuck all y'all. This is <laughs> this is my opinion. And no, I, I, I love the fact that he does that. You know, I respect the fuck out of, especially in this today's age where 
more often than not, you see people apologizing for something that they said 20 years ago rather than saying whatever they want right now. And that I'm just I'm sick of it. I'm sick of people feeling like they have to constantly apologize. Fuck you. I'm not apologizing for anything. I will never apologize for anything I've said. And if I had said something in the past that I no longer agree with, that maybe I said something a few years ago and now I'm like, well, after I think about it now, I don't agree with that anymore. I will say that, but I'm damn straight not going to apologize for it. Because I don't think anyone, that's just, I'm sick of it. Also, do you really think they mean it? I mean, if someone is forced into a corner and you tell them, look, your career is over or you apologize and they apologize, do you think they mean it? Are you really going to take that seriously? You know, and I'm not saying that maybe they are and maybe they aren't sorry. But the thing is, it doesn't mean anything because they were forced to do it. So who cares? You know, and just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I can't. (laughs) <laughs> I hate it so much. I'm just every time you turn around, somebody else is on is on TV going, "I'm terribly sorry about the things that I've said. I didn't mean that. I was, you know, several years ago." And fuck off, you know, just fuck off. People making them do it. And fuck I lose respect it. for people who do that. Just at least stand up and yeah, man, you know, that, you know hold on to your convictions, and if it means that. If it means you're going to get fired from the Disney movie, then fuck Disney. But, <laughs> um, I don't Anyway, that's a lot of rambling about stuff that's not going to change, so it doesn't really matter. But, there you go. So let, letting it out, you know, and then that's fine, you know. Just sticking the stick, uh, go in there and teabagging the mashed potatoes, that's all good, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever the female equivalency of teabagging is, you just you just did it, girl, you know. I mean, everybody is now... it what is it lip smacking there you go <laughs> oh no well, everyone is just it's too fucking donut sensitive dunking, isn't it everybody Ooh. wants to everybody wants to just get up and find something to bitch about you know it's like no one's day is complete unless they can find someone to tear apart it's like i have this theory on the kardashians everybody needs somebody to look down on mm, but they are garbage people you know. Yes, I know. That's <laughs> but that's that's the thing. They're garbage people, but you know, most people can look at them and go, you know what? I am not that scuzzy. Thank you, Kim Kardashian, for making me feel not as scuzzy as you. But everybody needs someone to look down on. I really do think she's hot, though. Like I'm, I'm not going to take that away from her. I think she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find her. I just find her disgusting. Uh, I mean, I don't really know that much about her. Um, I just, I, I look at her and it's like I cringe. Other than like her social media presence, you know, like I see her, but I don't know. I just find her and the entire clan vile and disgusting. I know that a lot of people really hate the the culture of celebrity that we have where basically people are celebrities for doing nothing. Um, and you're just, you're rich for no reason. Um, oh, well, she, she did something. She, she, blew uh, well, yes, she did a sex tape. Yeah, she, she, she blew a third yes. tier rapper for it to, you know, to be um, in, uh, famous. You know. By the way, where is Brandy's brother these days? Uh-huh. I haven't seen him in a long time. Um, he's probably blowing a third tier rapper. He actually right now. had a, I actually watched the, uh, reality show that he had where he was trying to find, Love. Oh, oh, Ray J? Yeah. Um, how do I even... I hate myself for even... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
But um, anyway, I mean, and, and I kind of get that. But at the same time, I, I got to respect their hustle. You know, it's like, it's like you, wow, you did absolutely nothing. And look where you are. I, I mean, there's a, I kind of got to respect that a little bit. There's, there's definitely some hustle there. I can't. You're a much better person than I am. <laughs> I mean, if you're good, if you've got something in people, a commodity that people are willing to throw money at, why not exploit that? You're not hurting anyone by doing it. Uh, you're just, and yeah, I guess you're, you're sort of pandering to uh, the, what the mindlessness that we, that we are become, but haven't we been becoming mindless for decades and, People have been, I mean, how long has the TV been called the idiot box? It's, it's just, this is, it's not new. So, I mean, I say, yeah, if you can find a way to exploit that shit, do it. That's also coming from someone who is um, really tired and I'm working a lot. <laughs> and if I could find a way to exploit something, <laughs> I damn straight would. <laughs> well, Jamie, deep down inside, I hope, my, my hope of hopes that Ray J is blowing a third tier rapper right now so he can come full circle and somebody's uh, somebody's filming that right now for you to watch and be kind of grossed out about but you know yeah. oh my god <laughs> oh I don't top that did he ever find love and for the love of Ray J did he I don't even know I don't think I watched the end of that series was that the one with Flavor Flav no I watched another show no, that was, was Flavor uh, of Love no, that was Flavor of Love I watched that show and uh, the horrors on the Brett Michaels bus. The, the, that show too, and uh, Rock of Love. Yeah, I didn't oh, watch. It. Christ, why do I know these things? Because I used to be. I, I, geez, I think I watched the first seven seasons of Bad Girls Club. There's other wrong with that. I am not gonna lie. I was the biggest reality TV whore for a while there. Odds <laughs> are, okay. if you watch an episode, you're gonna see something they funny happen. so. I can't help it, man. I it's you, you put that shit on, and then it's, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just Suzanne, there. You put a bunch of hood bitches in one room. Odds are them hood bitches are gonna do something funny, like pull. It's up. true. It's true. They're bound to be entertaining. I. It's just no. This, this is what I miss about <laughs> high school. Okay, there was a guy in my class, Coylan Jones, who was a decent enough dude, but had three girls fighting in the hallway. At the same time, and he was fucking all three of them. I kind of, I, I had to commend him for that a little bit, you know, me being the pig that... I am, you know. But these <laughs> girls were really going at it. <laughs> this is what I miss about high school so much, you know. Bad weaves, oh bad God. weaves, bad food. Mmm, so good, you know. Oh God, I'm not ashamed, Suzanne. I'm just not ashamed. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember um, there were two specific fights in high school. I remember one of my freshman year. I have no idea what happened, but this preppy dude said something to this um, obviously not preppy dude wearing work boots, obviously worked in his dad's garage, called him something, you know, low life. Dude turned around, roundhouse kicked this preppy dude in the face. I had blood on my shirt. I was that close. I'm like, wow, damn. There ain't nothing better than a Friday afternoon when you go outside and you see the one girl take her top off so she can't get blood on it. And you just, yeah, man, it's just amazing. And there was not one fight in my four years of high school. Not one. 
Oh, my, uh, my second favorite fight, These this couple apparently broke up after she bore him a child in high school. Oh, man. And she saw him in the hall and the the you know the high pitched squealing that only other girls and dogs can hear yep started and she <sighs> launched on his back <laughs> and was wailing on him once again i'm like just standing over by my locker chewing gum going damn apparently they i think they got back together I don't know, but those were the two fights that I remember the most. That's true love right there, see? Uh, the one Damn. fight I remember the most in high school? She was I in. Had, yes, two girls uh, had, like, uh, jumped me, and I managed to get one chick. I cut one chick with a piece of glass, and the other girl ended up running away because she saw what I had done. So. Damn. I cut you, man. Nice. So you gotta, you gotta G to the Mang. You gotta say Mang. Okay, Mang. <laughs> Just. But like you know that. that's that's what happens when you grow up in LA. That's hot. <laughs> Very. <laughs> I um, uh, you know, cut. Interestingly, well, then I didn't have any fights, Mike. I went to this like swanky white stuck up high school <laughs> in North Atlanta and it was like you know kids being dropped off in Rolls Royces and shit um, it, it just they were so preppy and it was just it, there were no, there were no fights no one ever got in trouble no one ever got kicked out of class no one ever got detention I, nothing ever happened nothing and um, we had really high SAT scores um, <laughs> but when I was in elementary and middle school I went to school in uh, Atlanta like in Atlanta and like right in the inner city and that was a completely different world I mean (laughs) talking three four fights a day um, people getting kicked out of class every second I remember my first day of seventh grade we weren't even in school yet it was 7 15 in the morning and we were in the gym before we went to our first class. And it was the first goddamn day of school and it was 7.15 in the morning and there was already a fight. And I just remember this big giant pile and like I heard some guy go, hey man, this your shoe? I mean, just (laughs) shit was flying. And I'm like, what the fuck are you fighting about at 7.15 in the morning on the first day of school? I don't, I never did find out. I have no idea what that was about. But I mean, that was a whole different, whole other world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's something they, they sprinkle in those cling peaches that used to feed us in high school. And, you know, <laughs> it's a, it makes them crazy, man. It makes a, it makes the ghetto fabulous <laughs> girls scream out, oh, no, that's my good hair. And they, you know, <laughs> man. I think it was the square pizza. <laughs> I still don't know. Here, hold my weave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When the um, shoes would come off and the earrings would come out. Like Ooh, you yeah. see, you see a girl coming at you, like kicking off her shoes and taking off her earrings. You're like, oh shit! <laughs> uh, this place, it was actually I, w- I was living in Canton, Michigan, and yay, Michigan! I, I was um, I was sitting outside with my neighbor, and we were talking. Yeah, I heard some someone got into a fight outside last night, and we're you know we're just kind of sitting out back. All of a sudden, we look and we both start laughing. It's like it was a rolling tumble weave. <laughs> I mean, it was just this gigantic <laughs> wad of weave just kind of 
blowing am, down the south. I am familiar with this, yes. I'm very familiar with this. Beware the giant tumbleweeds. Are you guys enjoying this, by the way, listeners? I hope you guys are, because I think this podcast in gold, you know, and just uh, throwing it out there. <laughs> uh, I have a ton to bitch about this week. The James Gunn thing is apparent, and there's nothing, nothing to do about it, but it's funny they brought up tweets and not the penis monster from Tromeo and Juliet. It's just, you know, it's a thing that he, that he created. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I support him, much like much like his castmates. And there, there's that. Um, beefs? No, just my own frustrations, really, is my, my, my beefs this week. You know, getting stuff done, fighting sleep compared to, you know, getting stuff done here. And it's coming, guys. Uh, a lot of it's coming, I got a feeling, so... Look for it. I'm, uh, I'll end that here and um, move on to the films we're going to discuss tonight. We're doing uh, two Spike Lee joints, as he calls them, uh, in an episode titled Spiked Heat. Uh, one of my top ten films of all time, Do the Right Thing, we're going to do. And then we're going to do The Summer of Sam. Here's I'll do these chronologically and do Do the Right Thing first. That's probably terrible English, but here we are. Uh, right after this. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weak grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick... <laughs> Thank you, come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Universal Pictures presents a new film from Spike Lee. Good morning, Miss Mother Sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's going to be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. The South's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with a son. I know you can't stand it. You can't stand it. Hey, Sal, I'm going to burst on the wall here. You want brothers on the wall? Love. Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. What I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about them pictures? Give us what we want. You call some brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom. Ah! Right here, man, in the back. Y'all take a chill. You like to sign a petition to boycott Sal's famous pizzeria? Hear me what you ought to do is boycott that no good barber that messed up your head. And that's the double truth. Rude. Break the power. Break the power. You know, deep down inside, I think at least you were black. <laughs> Who told you to step on my sneakers? Who told you to walk on my side of the block? Who told you to be in my neighborhood? I own this brownstone. Who told you to buy a brownstone on my block in my neighborhood on my side of the street? I can't even hear myself think. From Spike Lee, director of School Days, and she's got to have it. Good people, please. If 
Do the Right Thing from 1989. Uh, IMDb synopsis says, On the hottest day of the year, on a street in bedford Stuy, <laughs> they, they spelled it all the way out. I'm not saying all that action. They call it bed section of Brooklyn. Everyone's, everyone's hate and bigotry smolders and builds until it explodes into violence. Uh, this film stars a whole bunch of people that I love. Uh, Danny Aiello, Ozzy Davis, uh, the late Ruby Dees in this movie. Uh, Richard Edson, Richard Edson, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, Spike Lee, of course, Bill Nunn, R.I.P. Radio Rahim in real life as well, uh, John Turturro, a whole bunch of people. Robin Harris, oh, yeah, he shows up in this movie, as well as Frankie Faison. His, I think Frankie Faison uh, replaced uh, Robin Harris when he passed away, so it's kind of funny they're in the same movie together. Oh, there's a lot. Oh, man. Yeah, don't forget Bill Nunn. Yeah, Bill Nunn, yeah. I, I mentioned him. That radio oh, That's okay. This is written and directed by Spike Lee. And, um... I got a lot of love for this film. Like I mentioned earlier, top ten film of all time for me. I think it's just wonderful and it keeps getting better every time I watch it. But I'm going to kick it to, uh... Um... Suzanne first. Wow, this was actually a first-time watch for me. Uh... Even my husband, who sat and watched it with me, is like, wow, this is like the best movie Spike Lee ever did. You of all people, how did you miss this? I really don't know. I, I'm kind of on the fence with Spike Lee. He does really good movies, and then he does really preachy movies. But the one thing I give a lot of credit to Spike Lee for is creating characters and that character drama. And he also, once again, you go back to him and he loves New York in the uh, the hottest days of the year, because if you've I'm from New York, I've the hottest days of New York. It is sweltering. It smells fucking awful. And nobody has goddamn air conditioning. No. And in the south, we know how to do it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, my, I was so happy. My grandmother, because of my grandfather's condition, they had air conditioning installed. But the heat will make you act and do stupid things. And Spike seems to like to take those those dog days and uh, create some drama. For me, this I, it was like I said, this was the first time watch. I was actually. I, I amazed at how I fell into the movie, how I fell into all the characters. I loved all the characters. You know, it's, I love Radio Rahim. Even Danny Aiello's character, you know, he wasn't going to take off and leave. He built that himself. He was serving the neighborhood. Most people respected him, but he didn't put up with no bullshit in his establishments. John Turturro was his asshole son who just wanted to be a a prick to everybody. And you just had this great blend. 
and everything just escalates out of control. I give, I, I was really, really amazed at how, how well the movie just moved along. It just had great pacing and, Okay, I'm a huge Public Enemy fan, and listening to Public Enemy just blasting out of the TV kind of did something for me as well. And I just, I, my, my other favorite movie that Spike did was Crooklyn. And he just, like I said, it just, this was definitely an amazing movie experience. I, was I have to admit I was a little one of the main reasons I didn't see it is I usually don't like it when a director casts himself in the starring role and I'm really not sure what his timeline of movies what his timeline is well, he, was in she, he, he was like the main lead and she's got to have it too that that was before, and, that was before this yeah I mean I've I've seen about half of his movies because I don't know sometimes Spike finds ways of putting me off I can see that like making that old boy remake, you know, that nobody wanted. Yeah. I, I, I'm really trying to find the right words to try to, he, he doesn't leave a lot of gray area. And I think that's always kind of been something that's kind of occasionally been off putting to me. He's very direct with his point. And in this case, you know, at the ending, you're, now, I, I'll wait till I go through, listen to everybody else's comments, and I'll make my final comments on that toward the end. So I'm just, this was amazingly good. It's something I'll probably end up going back to because the characters were so absolutely goddamn compelling. I just, I really enjoyed it. So I'm just going to leave it there. And like I said, I, after everybody else talks about the movie, there might be a few things I might want to add. Okay, uh, Jamie didn't get to finish the movie, uh, but um, what are your thoughts about what you saw, Jamie? Oh, well, and I have seen it before. Okay, uh, fair now, enough. Now, granted, I it has been when it came out. Um, <laughs> um, I'm honestly not a big Spike Lee fan. I don't... I just... I don't know. I mean, I respect what he was trying to do, but it just never appealed to me, his style. There is one movie that I really do like, like really, really like. We're actually going to talk about that in a bit, but uh, um, and I, and it's honestly, I think the subject matter more than anything else that draws me to that film. I I think this is one of his better films, but even then, it um, it's not one that I've had to watch a lot. I mean, like, well, I haven't. I've watched it once when it came out, and then I haven't seen it since. So, and I've, like, seen clips of it here and there, and I do agree about the characters. I think he did, uh, he does, he does do a really good job with characters, but I also agree about the, there is no, there is no gray area. It's just, you know, this and this, and, um, like, I remember when we went to, I went to go see Jungle Fever in the theater with my best friend, at the time and her boyfriend who are now married and they've been married for about 20 years and they're in a, they are an interracial couple and we were in a very tiny town in Georgia and 
I remember going into that theater, no one looking twice, no one thinking anything of it. No one made a big deal of it ever. Like whenever we were out in public, there was never an issue in this small town in Georgia. So we sat down and we were watching watching the movie and I was like, God damn, like New York is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, at that point I had, I didn't have any experience with New York and I've had plenty of experience with New York since then, but it, it always struck me as funny how everyone, when you hear the South, like everyone assumes the South is so incredibly racist, yet some of the more racist places I've ever been in my life have been New York, (laughs) like various pockets of New York. And it's, it's, um, and it's just very like variables of race, like just different. I don't know. It's it's very, like the, the like okay, like when I would go hang out with Patrick in in Brooklyn, you know, and it's like, oh, like they these people hate the Spanish and the Spanish hate these people and you know everyone hates the Jews and, and it was just and it was, it was very like little pockets here and there depending on where you were and. This, these were the pockets where you belonged and you didn't go in those pockets if you didn't belong there because you weren't supposed to be there. It's not like that down there. I mean, we just, it just, 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 I don't know. And every, and it always blew my mind. I'm like, God, everybody thinks we're so incredibly racist down here, but it's nothing like this, you know? So, um, I just remember us walking out of that movie going, well, that was interesting <laughs> because that's not at all the experience that they've had. So, Anyway, that's just a side story. It has nothing to do with this film, but <gasps> it's just an example of how I guess it's. I guess it probably is. Um, um, what's the word? Oh, I guess where I come from. I've always had a disconnect from Spike Lee films. I think, and it's because those experiences never mirrored my experiences. And, and I don't mean just as like a white girl, but I mean, it's just where I lived. It just didn't ever fit. And it always seemed so extreme, you know, and I don't know if honestly he is being realistic or he is being very extreme, but he, he does always seem to be extremely one end or the other. I mean, and it's just, you know, it's like really, really hardcore this way. And then it'll be really, really hardcore this way. And he never seems to do anything in the middle. And I, it, I've just never, I don't know. I've never been able to connect with that. I've never been able to, um, get much out of it because it just seems like hyperbolic in a sense, I guess. Um, also like he always got on my nerves personally. Um, just like every time I see him, he's just, he's a sleepy motherfucker. Like wake up, dude. <laughs> he has absolutely no energy every time I see him, and I'm just like, oh. But you know, um, I do respect the fact that he does what he does, and there are things that he does really well. And one of those things is I do agree about the characters. He can definitely paint characters like nobody's business, and they're memorable characters. They always are. You always remember these characters, and that is important. And I do like that. I do enjoy that. But most of the time, his his stuff just isn't for me. Fair enough. Uh, Iris. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I got to see this movie uh, in the movie theater uh, a couple of times. And watching it again, um, 
I don't know. It, it's always been a movie that I've I've found into, intriguing. Um, this was obviously at, um, you know, I was still in the Navy at the time, and um, a couple of uh, the guys that I worked with were from New York and were from, you know, that Brooklyn area, and they had. I mean, they had big brothers and big sisters and even themselves uh, that were involved in the rioting that was happening at the time. So it, to me, when I would go, you know, I actually went with some of them to go see the movie and um, they were just in awe of how true to life this movie was. And um, some of them were a little miffed because they didn't like the idea that there was talk that if this movie, you know, was shown in Brooklyn, that there was just going to inspire more riots and stuff. And I like what, um, what, uh, Spike Lee says is like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator starts, you know, blowing all kinds of people away that doesn't, you know, make other people want to go out there and do the same things. Why would my movie inspire, you know, rioting? Uh, but yeah, watching this again, um, I don't know, it was just kind of like a little walk back in history for me. Mm. And if you think about it, a lot of these uh, guys, I mean, uh, first time roles for uh, uh, Martin Lewis and Giancarlo Esposito, this is based, I think, in his opinion, this is the movie that put him out there as a character actor. And his his character, Bugging Out, I mean, I really like his character. Um, you know, when he walks in and when he's sitting there at the pizza place and he's saying, hey, how come, you know, all your people are white? Why isn't there any black people up there? And, you know, Daniel Leo uh, or Sal says, well, it's my store. It's an Italian pizzeria. Those are Italians up there. So you have that 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 constant battle of. It's his store, so he gets to put up there whatever he wants. But it's the Afro, you know, the African American crowd that keeps his store going because they're the ones that are spending money there. So, who's right? Who's wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- to me, this this is a a, a movie that that kind of really hits my sociology part of me, which uh, I'm. A, I love that. It, had I been able to, I think I would have probably become a sociologist, but things just didn't work out that way. So I, I, I really enjoy this because it's kind of like putting on a lab coat when I watch this movie and just seeing how crews of people and how they work. Because it, Radio Rahim, for one, he's one that was saying, you know, you can't have love without hate. He's he's playing that song, you know, Fight the Power. And when he's he's telling Mookie his story about love and hate, how, you know, love always wins at the end. Um, and then to have that that one thing that identifies Rahim destroyed and then the cops come in and basically kill Rahim in front of that crowd. So I think Mookie at the end when, you know, was he doing the right thing when he, I mean, he's fed up with it. He, he's fed up with the whole thing. And, you know, the cops leave, leaving poor Sal and his sons completely unprotected. And so what happens that the, the place ends up being burned down? And at the end, you know, Mookie 
what does Mookie want from Sal? He wants his pay. And, and what's Sal going to be doing? Sal, his place is gone. So it's kind of like, you know, kind of like at the end of the next day for the purge, you know, that, that awkward, like, oh, sorry, I did this to you, man. Well, okay. Nothing yeah. is resolved in the end, you know? There, there are really no resolution. So you just keep on doing what you, you just keep on keeping on. You keep in, in that vicious cycle, you just keep going round and round and round. Nothing is ever resolved. So um, to me, this is, is one of the, not my favorite. We'll be discussing that one. <laughs> you know, kind of like you, Jamie. That That's kind of like one of my favorites of his. Uh, but uh, I, I this is pretty close there to the top. I really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I think it's this comes as uh, pretty close to... It's about as... I enjoy this one about as much as I enjoy any other Spike Lee movie, except for the ones we're going to be talking about. But I, what I've always found interesting and, and what I always think about is I feel... I always feel... I can't help but feel bad for Danny Aiello because it is his now, store, right? It, it is his, his store. store and he is Italian. And the, I mean, would it be fair to walk into any other, anyone else's store? I mean, like into an Asian shop, for instance, and say, you can't have all Asians there. You have to have, you know, you're in a white neighborhood. You have to have white people on the wall. Would I ever even consider saying that to someone? Of course not, because it's their store. I wouldn't even care what they have on their walls, you know. And, and it's like, if uh, no, I, just, I get it, because I don't. It's, it's kind of like, like, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it, it'd be kind of like walking into to like Bubba's barbecue shop, and and saying, "Well, why are all the people up here black?" can't go in there and say that. I mean, no, why, would, why you? would you? Why would you? Why would you even consider it? And I mean, it's not like they walked in and he had, you know, burning crosses in there and like, you know, clan hoods in frames on the wall or something, you know, that was like overtly racist against someone. That's not that. No, I mean, he just had you know, Italians on the wall. Well, he's fucking Italian. You know, <laughs> I mean, right? why is that yeah. surprising? And why should he be forced to do something else? You know, why is it wrong for him to be proud of his heritage? You know, I, I just, I don't get it. And I, and that's one thing that I've just, I've never, it just, it kind of, the first time I saw it, I was angry about it. I'm like, what gives you the right? You know, what gives anyone anyone anywhere the right to walk into someone else's establishment and tell them what they need to do exactly and And i think it's you know and it's kind of like uh it's it's part of the heat i guess it's kind of like suzanne was saying i think the heat finally got to buggy and then buggy just bugged out (laughs) i mean you know pardon the pun but that's you know that that's what he did and I mean, the the pizzeria had been established there for years. Even when they went in there, we're boycotting you. You know, you need to put some black people on the wall. It's not fair. And even one of the girls, when things were starting to escalate, the one girl that hung out with Martin Lawrence was like, we grew up on Sal's Pizza. You know, even she was trying to defuse the situation. But what I absolutely hate is the way that 
this is what I was hesitant to say because I just I still had to kind of work it out in my head a little bit. But Danny Aiello is the one who's painted in the bad light, and that's completely unfair. I no, I I agree with that, and I that was what that was what pissed me off when I saw it the first time, because I'm like, what is happening here? How 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 is this even? How does this even make sense? I, I think like one of the biggest things that we're not we're missing here, but like almost as a character in the movie is the fact that it's so fucking hot outside, and that, yeah, you, and that you have all these people, it, you know, going back and forth like about this, that, the other. Bugging out comes in there and starts talking about the way he runs the store, and he clearly does. He clearly is, is is her problem all the time, but he he still comes there anyway to fuck with Sal, obviously, because Sal's real quick to go for that bat on bugging out. Like no 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 question, but you can tell like even with everybody, you know, that he plays a character in the film because everybody's. I don't know what you're like when you're really fucking like uncomfortable, uncomfortably hot, but I'm a little irritated too. And the fact that this this whole block is being lit up with with uh, this 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 thing with uh, bugging out just going crazy everywhere, somebody scuffs his shoe in a scene. Yeah, that's bad news. But I'm sorry, Suzanne. Continue. Oh, all I was gonna say is, I, as, as I said earlier, um, in New York, when it hits over 90 degrees, the heat is radiating off the streets. It's radiating off the buildings. There's absolutely yeah. There's no relief. There's no none. shade. You know. And you, you know, fuck, in downtown Chicago, I get testy, but downtown Chicago is actually fairly clean. Plus, it smells bad in New York, too. Yeah, it does. It smells like the, it's the stench of rotting garbage and 90 plus degrees. It will make you crazy. Last time I was in Manhattan, it was very clean, but, um... What I find interesting is the difference. If you go from Brooklyn to Manhattan and back, um, then you realize exactly how dirty Brooklyn is. <laughs> no, it, it's a hundred and eighty eighty degree difference. I, I mean, mean, it's just like, oh, like, oh God, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. One of my friends uh, should. I haven't been there in like twenty years, but yeah, the last time I visited her, it's like it was. July and it was only in the mid 80s but it's like I opened up the door and I'm like oh Jesus Christ just just somebody like stab me in the nostrils because I can't deal with this mm. yeah I mean and if you're lucky like you go to someone's house and they may have some window units or something but stores never have air conditioning like the little bodegas and stuff they always have their doors open and I'm like that doesn't do any good it's too fucking hot and, uh, and there's so many people and all you're doing is like swapping sweat with you know a thousand other people on and a one block and you shove people into the subways and it's like canned sweat yeah it's really horrible <laughs> it's like you're so, showering off other people's sweats yeah Blech. So I mean, yeah, I get, I, I get being cranky, and in that situation, I do, I really do, and, and you know, I think it's an interesting thing. And you're right, it is kind of like a character in and of itself, you know, and that's that's kind of a cool thing. But at the same time, I'm just like, God damn it, it's not fair. It's it's not it's not okay. And um, you know, at the end where he's like. This place is burning down, and he's like, "That's my place." You know, I'm just like, "Oh man!" I mean, that was his whole life. He built you know? it 
himself with his own two hands. And one, one incident and everything just escalates completely out of control. And it's, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, so on one hand, I guess in a lot of ways it is, it's compelling. Like it's really, it's, but it just, it just makes me so damn mad that. Yeah. That, that that's, just, what it, that's what it's supposed to do, know. Jamie, you know, not, not like make you like. Yeah, hey, but I feel like, like I'm, so, I, I'm sorry. I kind of feel like I was supposed to be mad in the other direction. Like I feel like I, I, I think I'm mad. I'm not well, mad at the things that he wants me to be mad about, but I don't know. Well, it's all, yeah, it's all of your, your interpretation is because, you know, there, there is, there is segments of the film and. One of the greatest things I love about this film is the conversations that exist in it, you know, to where Sal was talking about, like, the fond memories of the, of the kids growing up on his food and how profound that was and how important it was in their lives. Not, like, being superficial, but just being, like, glad that he was a part of it to where, you know, shit really got lit up in the end. Literally, Smiley lit, Smiley lit the match. I love Smiley so much. You gotta love that guy. Um... It, it uh it, it just erupted, you know, in this thing to where at the point where Raheem's radio was real loud, and he thought that was the device that was making him crazy because there was the whole scene of the, the one part where Raheem came in and uh, two two slices and put some extra mozzarella on that shit, and uh, he, he just turned the radio up louder when he told him to turn it down, and the whole the whole concept of this is his establishment, and you know. He's not playing, you know, Frank Sinatra on on, on the loudspeaker at his place. You know, he's just it likes it quiet in there, I guess, so they can answer the phone and shit. It's a quiet neighborhood joint. Yeah. But then, you know what? You know what it needed? Hmm. Chaz Palmentary. That's what it needed. Yeah. Chaz Palmentary <laughs> to come in there and lock the fucking door and tell him now you just can't leave. No, you just can't leave. No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the, him breaking the, the the radio, destroying that that beautiful boombox, and I I, I was I was I was enthralled by it because it, it takes twenty D Energizer batteries to run that. Thing. <laughs> that made God me damn, laugh it was so my expensive. ass off. It was so expensive. I was lucky to have Back that. Day, I that, used to go batteries like a son of a bitch. That Radio Shack special. I was lucky to have that. He had this banger of a box. It was uh, it was wonderful, and um. That's a great character, the film Radio Raheem. And he, I, I listened to a lot of gangster rap way too early as a kid when other folks were listening to, like, the new Slaughter album. I was listening to Ice Cube's Predator for no good reason. And I guess <laughs> I guess I was an angry young man, but not really. Uh, so I, I, if you look at the history of when this movie came out in 89, this was a lot of times, like, with, like, the, uh, when the LAPD were out of control, it just break into people's houses for no good reason and, you know, ar- arresting them and all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, the tension was already there. I mean, Spike Lee just kind of put on the film in, in this one isolated neighborhood. And um, I can't say I've been there, but I've, I've been around it. You know, police treat folks unjustly and fucking flat top just choking the fuck out of Radio Raheem in the end. I was like, yeah. that that's And even, even as a kid when I seen this, I seen this when I was like 12 years old for the first time. Like, yeah, this is where... The shit's gonna officially hit the fan, and uh, somebody literally threw the chair through the window, but he threw a garbage can, Mookie did, and that's just when they got lit off. But I think, like I said, the conversations in this film are pretty great. I love uh, the sort of relationship between the mayor and main mother-sister. That that was, uh, that's always been charming to me. Just the mayor just trying to, trying to mack on mother-sister, and she wasn't having it, because she's old-fashioned. 
and that really shows in the end because there's one, one part that makes me tear up at all. It's not the death of Radio Rain, which is really sad. It's when Mother's sister just loses her shit when she sees Sal's place on fire and them getting hit with the fire hoses. She's she's clearly, you know, going back to the time in, like, Birmingham where they used to do that shit to, to black people in the streets and stick the dogs on them and shit and all kinds of crazy stuff. And you just see the look on her face and the anguish of, you know, oh, it's back again kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, it makes you really sad. And it, it does for me every time. Um... I thought Spike Lee was fine. One of the greatest things I love about this film is the way it was shot. Uh, uh, Ernest Dickerson, who shot a lot of stuff for Spike Lee, uh, Malcolm X, and she's got to have it. And he, of course, directed um, uh, Demon Knight with uh, my friend Billy Zane. <laughs> I can't wait to meet that guy. It's going to happen. Uh, he did a whole lot of stuff. He, he directed Juice. I, I love Dickerson's work all over the place. But there's the part at the end, like we mentioned, where... where uh, Smiley and Radio Raheem and, and Buggin' Out coming, coming to Sal's for, for the last time. And it's askew. The camera's askew. And I didn't notice it this time. It's, it's like almost like the tension's building between these these, these, these two these two entities, if you will. So their, their vision of each other is askew. And it's just slanted. And I, I thought that was fucking brilliant. Much like there's, there's a scene in Crooklyn um, where uh, Troy's had to go stay with her aunt and uncle. And they live in a very white suburban neighborhood, and uh, they do something with the camera to where everything is warped. And I watched that movie recently, and I never noticed that until now. Like little stuff like that, like yeah, why are they doing this? Like, now I see why they're doing this because Troy's vision of this 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 white suburban neighborhood is something that's so different from the the, the area she lives in, which is Brooklyn as well. Um. Back to this movie though. I there's 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 so much things to love about it, though. Uh, Aiello's is 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 great. Uh, his sons, Pino and Vito. I love, I love those guys. <laughs> that the, the conversation that, that Mookie has, tell him to beat his just beat his brother's ass one time because he just talks shit all the time to his little brother and I, sometimes that's all it takes. It just just to prove it. And I was like, yeah, kind of remember that to happen, but I doubt it's not gonna die. I doubt it's gonna happen. Um. Yeah, I just I just love everything about it, and I think I think it's really I'm not even gonna say it's a, it's it's a it's a portrait in time because it's still happening, and uh, but he just kind of put it on the screen for for us all to see, and I I looked into the the names that they mentioned at the end of the movie and the list of people that they mentioned at the end of the movie, and it's it's really uh didn't work out for them too well. They're they're real real bad victims, and uh um it just hits my soul this movie. Right, right for the opening credits, and I when Rosie's doing her dance, and that shot awesomely. Remember, Rosie Perez was a fly girl. People, if you guys know what that is, if you go, if you guys are really young, you uh, probably yeah. know what that is. Oh yeah, yeah. I it took elocution lessons from Rosie Perez. <laughs> nice, he's a trooper. <laughs> I be talking good at everything. Um. <laughs> I love her in White Men Can't Jump. That <laughs> why do you gotta say screw? Why can't you say make a fuck? My favorite scene in White Men Can't Jump is when she's on Jeopardy. Yeah. It's the a best. Disco queen. <laughs> love her being on Jeopardy. That's awesome. My, one of my favorite lines though has nothing to do with her, and for whatever reason, it's like one of my favorite lines from that movie. And it's like Vista View. My ass. There ain't no Vista, and there sure as hell ain't no view. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah, those are so good. We're gonna get into some Ron Shelton nonsense before you know it. I, I love that director, so writer director. Yeah, what man can't show? <laughs> and that was a little Dave Chappelle from Men in Tights. I I'm all over the place. <laughs> That's okay. I'm gonna kick it to uh Suzanne and ask her anything else she'd like to say about the movie and uh we'll move on from there. Alright, yeah, I I think I covered what I wanted to say. I it's it's Spike Lee. It's, it's, it's one of those things that's very hard to talk about. And at least for me, I'm not a huge fan of his movies. The, the few that I like, I, I like very much, but I don't get excited when I see a new Spike Lee movie. And this one was, like I said, a really good character drama. And... I completely spaced the mayor because I thought I love Ozzy Davis. Yes. He is just so, he he's so grandfatherly, and you just want to give him a big old hug, just because he just exudes that, you know, just nice, gentlemanly kind of guy. Makes, and makes sort of watch Bubba Hotep real bad, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I, I just think Ozzy Davis is a wonderful actor, and Did anybody Davis, ever watch Evening Shade? Oh my God, Burt uh, Reynolds, long yeah, ago. That was long, the first long ago. That was the first time I ever. That, that show was what introduced me to Ozzy Davis, but, yeah, to actually knowing who he was and all of that. And I always loved him in everything. So like I said, I think I've, I've, I've had my my say on this one, and I'm gonna okay, gonna I'm gonna give this a seven. But in a few months, I really want to go back and just give it a rewatch. So that number would probably go up. But there was just so much to take in during the first viewing, so I'm sitting at a seven. Cool, Jamie. I'll have to, I, yeah, I agree with that number. I do. Um, it's, yeah. <laughs> I think I pretty much said everything I need to say about Fair it. Uh, there's not much more to say. Uh, Iris, my, my ghetto sister. <laughs> what do you say, girl? You know? <laughs> hey, the girl who fights. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to give this one uh, a 7.5. It's. Uh, to me, it's always been a very, very compelling movie. And uh, like I said, you know, uh, looking at it from a sociology or a sociological aspect, uh, I just really, really enjoy this movie. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. Cool. Uh, me, myself, uh, it is in my top 10. You think I would give it a 10, and I'm going to because I, I like it that much. And it's uh, not a slight on my co host at all. But uh, I, I happen to. Really, really dig it, and uh, I think it's, I think it's kind of perfect. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that though. <laughs> but um, right after this, we're gonna go deep back into the '70s and that brutal summer of 1977, more ways than one, with the summer of Sam. Right after this, are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. 
Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts, and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at VD Clinic Pod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hey, I had a real good time tonight. Busy tomorrow night. I'd really like to see you again. You danced so great tonight, baby. Ah, because you're beautiful. New York City, 1977. Is that Richie? Satin and guys. You come back to the neighborhood looking like a freak. You're supposed to be okay with it. A time of endless possibilities. You want to be my dog? A naughty girl. And serial hysteria. Double homicide. Police received a letter from the 44 caliber killer calling himself the son of Sam. What would happen? I just saw the bodies. I am the monster. Beelzebub. In one hot summer. He's a victim six and seven. In one neighborhood. Vinny saw the dead bodies last night. Saw the bodies? Between friends and lovers. The son of Sam Killer, who has been targeting young women, has caused panic-stricken brunettes to dye their hair blonde. I feel like I'm cheating on you with you. Anyone is a target. I think he's after me. I'm gonna be number eight. You know, I'd lay five to one to kill us from right here. Uh-oh. And everyone is a suspect. It's a black guy. We understand that the lights are out. Just stay in your house, lock your doors. City that never sleeps has come to a standstill. I know who the killer is. Reggie Jackson. What the matter with you? What kind of guns did the killer use? 44 caliber, right? What's Reggie's number? 44. Reggie's the son of Sam. They think he's the son of Sam, the 44 caliber killer. Benny, stop it! Nobody gets in my neighborhood without me knowing it. You think I'm the son of Sam? Everybody's got two personalities, man. Spike Lee joint. John Leguizamo, Adrian Brody, Mara Sorvino, Jennifer Esposito, and Ben Gazzara. That psycho is gonna have no place to hide. 1977. The summer belonged to Sam. Summer of Sam from 1999. Uh, written and directed by Spike Lee once again. Uh, your plot synopsis is this. Spike Lee's take on the Son of Sam murders in New York City during the summer of 1977 centering around the residents of an Italian-American Northeast Bronx neighborhood who live in fear and distrust one of one, distrust of one another. Sorry, bad English. Uh, this stars a whole cast of beautiful people, I guess. Uh, John Leguizamo, Adrian Brody, uh, the very foxy Mira Sorvino in this movie. Uh, the slightly more foxy of it, the Sadia, Jennifer Esposito in this movie. Uh, Michael Raspoli. You know, for The Sopranos and some other goody stuff. Uh, B.B. Newworth, Patty Lupone's boobs. I didn't know the end of my life, but there you go. Uh, Mike Starr, 
Anthony LaPaglia, Ben Gazzara. Uh, there's a bunch of people in this fucking movie. Um, I know I got a lot of a lot of serial killer nuts on this on this true crime nuts on this show right now. I'm gonna dig it in with Iris first and ask her what she thought of the movie. Um, I this is my favorite of his. Um, I really enjoy this movie, and what I love that he did with this. So, this movie really wasn't about the the you know son of Sam. It was more of how it was affecting a specific community. Again, the sociology in this is beautiful. Um, here you have. These it's it's like these kids that grew up, and they they obviously knew each other, and um, some stayed the norm. You know they 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 worked for you know they worked for a dude, and uh, I mean they were, you know the typical Italian thing, right? It, it's a little stereotypical, but there it is. And then there are some of the kids that didn't stick around. I mean they they went a completely different route, like uh, uh, Brody's character. So um, he believes that he's, well, he's a punk and he even has that English accent because it's cool. Um, so there's that. And so you, you see the dynamics of how things kind of start falling apart. First of all, you have John Leguizamo's, you know, uh, character who he sees, you know, he almost became a victim had it not been for the other car that was flashing him and beeping. And yet they leave. And this couple who was the guy's like, well, I don't want anybody doing that on your street in front of your house. They in turn become the victims. Um, so you have that part of him. It's like, Oh, you know, the guys are like, Oh dude, he saw you, you know, and he, maybe you saw him and he's going to come after you. He's going to come after you. So you have this fear already working. And of course, because of that fear, what is he, he? He turns to drugs, turns to alcohol, and of course, he starts going paranoid. He does really dumb things, uh, and so there's that story. And then there's the story of the cops, which this really happened. The cops did go to, you know, their local bosses there in, in some of the communities and, and asked for help because they they didn't know who the fuck this was. I mean, they were completely lost with this whole thing. And so then, of course, you have this guy going, hey, you know, th this is our neighborhood. Why is he in here doing this? We need to protect our people. So you have this little crew of three knuckleheads uh, that are like, well, maybe it's the priest because, you know, he's a priest. I mean, so they have this list of people that they think is the son of Sam. And then there's Ellen Brody's character who is completely that doesn't he has no part of this. He's just being his punk self and because he's different. Uh, you know, everybody thinks it's him. And, and one of the parts that I love the best is when they have the, um, the sketch artist, uh, rendition of the, of I the, knew you were going to say that. <laughs> right? yeah, drawing the spikes on the head. The drawing spikes on his head. It was like, look, see, it's him, you know? So and John Leguizamo was like, Oh, like the realization oh. just like almost <laughs> bowls. And watch the camera m movement during that scene. And it, it kind of brings you into his, because he's all fucked up at that point. 
Like he's been taking pills and yeah, drinking like, beer. The camera gets very kind of wavery. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the camera, like the whole, the, the camera work is as fucked up as he is. And so you kind of feel like you're fucked up too. If you watch it, like you're, you get kind of sucked into that. And then like when he gets that realization, like, oh my God, that's him. And of course it's totally wrong, but he's so fucked up. He just is like, yeah. Um, the camera work is just, I just, I thought that was really, really, really creative and very cool. It was, it was extremely great. And then, but see at the end, he's still thinking, I think when he comes to his senses and he's trying to get him out of the house, he's like, run, run, you know, cause he's, he's trying to tell his friend, you know, just go away. And uh, of course, dad and mom come out and save the day, but it, it's just, it's just so great. You can see how fear and paranoia can uh, play such a big part. I think that fear and paranoia was actually a character in itself in the movie because you've got the looting, you've got, you know, all of a sudden everybody is scared of anyone that's following them and staring at them. You know, women were changing their hair. They were cutting their hair and dyeing it blonde. I mean, fear is such a driver in this movie and, and, you know, in human society, it, it, that's, it is an extremely big driver. So he put all that together so beautifully in this movie and had these compelling little stories that all interlocked and weaved into each other. I think this is probably one of his best and, and, and this is why I enjoy it so much. Suzanne. Uh, this one, this is, I think the third or fourth time I've watched it. I will say this up front. There are a few places I think it just, it could be cut down because it's very, very, very long. But once again, we have, you know, two of Spike Lee's favorite things. Raging New York City heat and these events taking place that kind of start coalescing into a big bomb. It's the only way I can think of to put it. And once again, we have just fantastically laid out characters. And I think one of the things that stands out to me the most about this movie is how incredibly unlikable John Leguizamo's character is. He is a horrible human being. He only fucks his wife missionary style, but he will go out and, you know, is 69, is freaking his wife's cousin. And, you know, he's just a completely unlikable character. He's a horrible friend because he pretty much uh, threw Richie out to dry. You know, he's like, you know, come outside. Instead of, you know, whispering, come outside and then run like hell he's like no 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 come outside come outside and another thing i enjoy because i I like the way that they kind of he mixed in some of the archival footage i mean i remember john jeffries on the news i remember a lot of the people that were newscasters that had been reporting at that time and you know just seeing it all put together and seeing it from the eyes of this community where you know, the, the son of Sam was doing most of his killing. The list, yeah, that was <laughs> that was kind of crazy. And, and Mike Starr, for being, you know, a, a, a smaller character actor, 
is so good in everything he's in. I loved him in Goodfellas. He was one of my favorite side characters in that movie. And, you know, Mira Sorvino, once again, just just, just a wonderful actress. And fuck Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, fucking asshole. I I really like the way the whole the the story came together because it wasn't about the killings per se. It was about the effect the killings were having on this specific neighborhood. And Mike Starr had the greatest line in this entire movie. This Luger says that they caught the guy. Sorry, so I, 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 that line just always plays out in my head. I can't wait for it when I'm watching the movie. But this is one of Spike Lee's best movies. It truly is. He really brought the tension and the distrust of your neighbors. And the fact that John Leguizamo is so unlikable, you can't help to see, but watch and see what he's going to fuck up next. So yeah, this is just an amazing piece of work for me. Jamie. Well, I mean, this is definitely my favorite Spike Lee joint. I I love it when a film takes an actual piece of history and then uses it as uses it as a springboard for something else. So it's still there and it's still going on in the background. And like you know, we have we. We have like the brownouts and and the the actual fear that was that had pretty much gripped everyone that summer. The newspaper headlines, the heat. Um, I mean, all these things were real, and yet we get to you know he gives us these characters placed into that real into that real world, and I uh, I don't know I. I love that. I think it's really well done. It is very, very long, but I really don't mind it. When I'm watching this film, this is just one of those films that uh, I don't mind it being as long as it is because I enjoy spending time with it so much. I um, I love Mira Sorvino in this film, and it's just watching her here. I was always a big fan of hers. And everything from Mighty Aphrodite, which she won an Oscar for, to like Romeo and Michelle. It just, I loved her. Even in Mimic or Relic. Which one was she in? Mimic. Okay. Um, I just, I, I loved Mira Sorvino. And fuck that dude. You know, it, it's, she had such a bright future. And then I, I don't know. I mean, I wish she'd come back, but I, I don't think she will. But, um, she was so good, and I really think she killed it in this role. She was just incredible. And that dance scene with her in the red dress, like when they're dancing up against the wall in the club, holy shit. She is so hot. <laughs> oh, my God. That that gets me going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but, whoa. You know, um, I feel for her so much. And she's so, like, good on her. She does so many things in this movie that I'm like, yes. Fuck yes. Like, when she, she like, jumps out of the car, he chases her around the car, she gets in the driver's seat and then drives off and leaves his ass. Fucking good. That's her car. He's a douche. Well, yeah. yeah. But good. He's a fucking douche. You know, or yeah. when when he's like pleading with her, you know, to stay. And she's like, I'm sorry, I just don't believe you anymore. And she walks out the fucking door. Good. 
because you're a dick. I mean, he just, he had no respect for her whatsoever. And then he's so bizarre and he's got these bizarre hangups, you know, um, but what pissed me off more than anything about his character was after they got back from the city and he had the nerve to call her a slut. Right. Oh my yeah, God. I'm like, um, excuse I'm, me. <laughs> I was so fucking pissed, but, and good on her for, you know, that was an, that was an amazing scene. By the way, she was so good in that when she's standing outside the car screaming, I just, I loved it. But anyway, um, the, the film had was about many more characters than just the two of them, but I really get drawn into that. I think, uh, Adrian Bodie, uh, Bodie, Adrian Brody was born to play a punk. I, I just, I believe it. You know, he's all tall and lanky that, and skinny. That mohawk was immaculate at the end of that movie. Yes, it was. I believe that shit. Um, I like the yeah. recreation of CBGBs too. Yes. Oh yeah, and plus we got some. We got some '54 in this. Um, yeah, we got everything. You know, the music was was just fantastic that i love the juxtaposition of the punk scene versus the disco scene um how we like you pull the italians <coughs> out and then throw them into the city and, and like up against the punks and they're like no i don't even like this you know <laughs> like i don't like the way they look i don't like that thing in her tongue like i don't want to be here it um you know i i always love like if you watch an old mob movie where you see like the old guard kind of colliding with the newer generation after like once they started getting involved in the drug scene and everything. And once it just got kind of crazy, kind of like in, um, well, I guess good fellas, good fellas is a good example of that, you know? Um, and so you have the, uh, like the newer ones who are just, who are scuzzier and, you know, they don't wear the three piece suits anymore and they don't, you know what I mean? Like it's the old generation versus the new generation. I always like that kind of thing. And that's what that reminded me of is just like pulling them out and sticking them in there with the punks and it just didn't work. And when they came out of the club after the two of them were like looking for him in the club and then they came out of the club and they're like, wow, like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's fucked up in there. Um, I just, I love that shit. I thought it was great. The, um, I felt the heat, you know, I, I really just, I, I felt everything in this film. I, 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 I can't even, it, just, it is so good. I think he captured everything beautifully. And then on top of that, we have Berkowitz and what he's doing. And I thought that that was brutally portrayed. And then we have Brian's favorite scene where the dog comes out and talks to him. <laughs> Oh, that's that awesome. is that is awesome. Voiced by John yeah. Turturro, okay? Set it in the credits. That's awesome. And that's a pretty dog. It is. It's a beautiful lab. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, this is it, it's phenomenal. I really enjoy the shit out of it. And uh, I, I love the way that everything weaves together really well. It's really well written and, and really well and directed. It's, you know, it's a damn good movie. There's a part with the dog to where when he's talking to the dog and then it seems like the dog is like towering over him like he's getting bigger, you know? Mm -hmm. He's obviously delusional. He's talking to this fucking dog and the dog's not even there, obviously, but the fact that they made him like tower over him I thought was pretty great. And uh, I guess one thing I needed in this movie was uh, 
a sweaty Michael Badalucci's ass sticking out of those white boxers at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> That's one thing I didn't need in the movie, you know, but it was there. I guess you could see the madness of um, Mr. Berkowitz in, the, in that scene and many more scenes. And, uh, oh my God, this movie. I, I don't feel terrible for Mira Sorvino, you know, because in the very, very beginning of the movie, you know, he, he takes the cousin out the car, he fucking plowing the cousin. And there's a part where they kiss after when they're leaving, which she wanted a disgusting sandwich anyway. BLT with, with mustard? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's nasty. Oh, man, I love BLTs with mustard. Oh, My grandmother used to make me those for lunch when I was in the third grade. I'm sorry, honey. I, 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 can't, I can't do it. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not. A, I'm no. I'm not offended. <laughs> just it was just a memory. But there's a part where she's like smelling her fingers because he obviously had his face deep in his this her cousin's coos because he he makes that classic. And I heard a lot of Guineas talk about back in the day. Even even deep uncles of mine talk about. I had this woman on the side because I, can, I I can't do stuff with her that 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 that, that I can do with my wife. Because this is the mouth that she kisses my kids with. So, you know, obviously, you know. Yeah, and if I was one of their wives, I'd be fucking pissed. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's yeah. called a shower and a toothbrush. Right? It's a psychological thing, though. It, it really is. Like, this, this is the mouth she kisses my kids with. So, you know what? I'm not going to do all this freaky shit with her. I, this is why I got this woman on the side. And he had... I, I don't know. It's a fucking excuse. I'm sorry. It is an, it's a it is excuse. an excuse. I'm, I'm, totally. I'm not making excuses for my, for my Italian forefathers. I clean your goddamn house. I cook your food. I raise your kids. And she gets to have all the fun. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> then, you know, from a male perspective, he did, he did pick B.B. Newworth, which, you know, that that gets my motor running. Well, both of them do, really. And, I don't, again... She looked really hot she, in that. Yes. She looked great. <laughs> so that... that, that and then, fuck... Fuck son of Sam, I'm not cutting my hair. So there is, there is that, man. <laughs> she was looking real good. But I, he's a piece of shit. And he's high throughout this entire film and drunk and, you know, he wasn't making the best decisions. And he, that, 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 I'm sure, was all impaired by the quaaludes and the beer and whatever else he was taking. So there's that. And you got you got Adrian Brody, who's uh, wonderful in this film. As Richie, you know, who's uh, somebody who comes back to the neighborhood, but of course he's all... He's all punked out now, so you got that that getting that giddy mentality saying, "Oh fuck this motherfucker! Give him the fuck out of our neighborhood!" Yada yada yada. They're making the whole list based on people like him, you know, like oh this guy has a has a quirk. Let's put him on the list. Yada yada yada. And uh, of course he's <laughs> he's kind of nuts, but he's not he's not you know a murdering type. Uh, ooh, sorry, I mentioned Patty Lupone's boobs. And those are nice too in this movie. You get to see him for a second, and I think I need that in my life, you know. But because I've always respected her as an actress, and I still do. It's just you know, I've never seen her boobs before, so they're there. And uh, Mike Mike Starr is singing while she's showing them, and that's fine. And I, no, the movie itself though, I I don't know a ton about this true crime stuff. I just know like certain stuff that I read about the Son of Sam, some of it, very little, but uh. I thought that Michael Badalucci's performance and the little side scenes were were, were uh, pretty great because he sounded, he sounded very sinister. I think there's a lot of people that played real life serial killers in films, and I think he's he's one of the best ones. I think out of all of them, and I know a lot of those weren't like big Hollywood movies per se, but I uh, 
I thought people like Mark Holton were, were fine as Gacy, and there, there was some other good ones in there, too. Um, yeah, the whole the whole 70s vibe, which I'm not familiar with. I, I, I grew up in the 80s, obviously, and I was very young then. Uh, that, you know, I've seen videos and you know, read about Plato's retreat that shows up in this movie, you know, <laughs> post that. She gets called a whore because she, uh, I guess she was doing some lesbian shit in that place. I don't know, but, um, um, yeah, that's in there. It's the whole Studio 54 vibe, uh, the CBGB thing. I think it just really broke down different aspects of the culture and, you know, they, they, they wanted to get all that into film. I think Spike Lee pulled it off real well. I love the the old mob vibe to this film because Ben Gazzara, who's your, your your legitimate bad guy in everything he's in, and he plays the the mob boss Luigi. And again, the conversations in this film, uh, in, in in these Spike Lee films, I love the conversation he has with the detective Anthony Anthony plays, and basically said, you know, you grew up in the neighborhood. I took at Yankee Stadium. You know, you never asked for permission when you wanted to be a cop, and yada, yada, yada. These are real conversations that these people have, and especially, you know, amongst that, to where I've heard about this from old, old relatives, about people that got in any kind of law law enforcement, or that, that, and they had to, like, really either do it on the sly, which never never gets by, or really, like, again, ask permission to, to say, I, I, I want to be this. And, yeah, that whole conversation... It hit me way too close to home because I, I would hear stories from people in my family about that kind of thing, and yeah. Um, what else? Mira Sorvino is hot but naive. She, she's really, really fucking hot in this movie, and I, I, uh, much, much like her father, Paul, I, I really hate what Mr. Weinstein just blacklisted her. Like, nobody hired this woman. Like, and they're like, okay. And now they're like, well, maybe we made a fatal mistake, but it's, it's kind of too, too, too late to go back on that now. Um, just, just full, full yeah, of, fucked up, man. yeah, man, just full of great character actors. And that, that's what I like about films like this is like, yeah, I know that guy from this thing. I know that guy from that thing. And this one's full of them. And, uh, I, I really enjoy that. Another thing that, you know, you can, <laughs> it might piss off your average Italian that your, your lead, your lead actor, uh, John Liquizamo plays, who's a Puerto Rican plays an Italian guy named Vinny. They couldn't find an Italian to play, <laughs> to play that role. But, uh, he was good in the role he was given. He just was a piece of shit character. So, there's that. Um, yeah. Capture that time real well. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that and kick it back to Suzanne and ask her anything else she'd like to say about it and what's her rating 1 to 10. Oh, it's, it's still a great movie. Like, it's, it's long. I agree with Jamie. It doesn't feel like it is. But there's just, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, it is very long, so if you haven't seen it before, um, get comfortable. But it's, it's a great movie, well, well worth the two hours and 20 minutes. The characters, once again, are absolutely fantastic. Even your worst character is written very well. And, yeah, I'm not a huge Adrian Brody fan, but he fit that role to a T. I love seeing 54. I love seeing CBGBs. I, I love that. How do you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> Country, bluegrass, CBG. Fuck it. I, I can't remember what everything stands for anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great little movie. Um, um, solid 
eight and a half. Eight, yeah, eight and a half. Cool. Iris? Um, for me, I have to say this is a nine. Like I said, uh, it's just this beautiful study of society and uh, how outside influences can so you know, turn society and, and make it do a 180. So, uh, yeah, a nine. Cool. Jamie. Uh, it's a nine for me as well. This is one that I really do enjoy a lot. And plus anything that involves a serial killer automatically gets points from me. Um, there are some very cool, uh, like again, with the characters, I mean, Susanna said it and I agree. He's been amazing with character work. But there's also some really cool, subtle camera work in this film. And the subtle being the key. Like, you may not even realize it. You may think you actually are kind of fucked up for a second there. And <laughs> that's what I love about it. So, yeah. Um, good on you, Spike Lee. This is definitely my favorite film. Cool. Yeah, I uh, pretty much everything everybody mentioned, everything else. I really dug it, and uh, I think you might, too. We'll go back to more Spike Lee stuff, I'm sure. There's uh, some great stuff that he um, he directed that he didn't write. I think 20, 25th Hour is a great example of that with Edward Norton. It's one of those great one. What, last night, he, he's going to go to prison. This is like his last night before he goes to prison kind of movies. And it's a, it's a great movie. But uh, this movie, I give a 8 out of 10. Like I said, like Suzanne said, it can be chopped down just slightly to, to make it Maybe an even two hours, but then again, I wouldn't know what to cut out. So, because it did a real good job of capturing that paranoia of a whole neighborhood and uh, uh, Ben Gazzara, bring that motherfucker to me. You know, it's good stuff. Uh, Summer of Sam, that one's in the books. We'll be right back uh, right to this to close out the show. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho-Semanticast. Let us face, without panic, the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off uh, you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. Neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew them. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast. Uh, we're skipping the the Butcher's Block segment this week because nobody really passed away. So we're going to go ahead and uh, X that one off of the books here. And I'm going <laughs> to ask Iris. Uh, I know Mike Murphy's been uh, dangling that T-bone steak in front of the people that love that show. <laughs> what's, what's coming up, girl? 
Well, I know that we're recording, but he has still not said what movie we're going to be doing to us. So, okay. Um, uh, I don't know. Expect something wonderful, something wonderfully awful. Cool. <laughs> more, more Doris Wishman, please. You know, I don't. Gotta, I don't <laughs> Who knows? I don't gotta watch him. You guys gotta watch him, though. <laughs> what else, Iris? I'm sorry. Um, let's see. Um, so we just uh, the latest uh, theme warriors is out, and um, you know we were hoping it was going to be for July, but you know schedules. Uh, and uh, our theme was fireworks. You know, July Fourth fireworks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it ended up being The Great Gatsby, uh, Vendetta, V for Vendetta, of course, Perfume, which is a wonderful fucking movie, and The Sandlot. Nice. Very, very nice. Uh, I called V for Vendetta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh my god. I was like I was like, I guarantee you V for Vendetta's gonna be in there. Oh, and uh, No Land of the Dead? Well, it was either Land of the Dead or Vendetta and they felt like Land of the Dead was just kind of a bit, you know. Sky boring. flowers, goddammit. <laughs> right? Sky flowers. <laughs> okay, Suzanne. Oh God! Um, wow, I didn't know it was my turn. Uh, NFW, we just released our commentary on Terrifier, yep. which is a kind of a kick-ass clown movie. I don't like clowns. I enjoyed but... that one more than I should have because I didn't I like the, I didn't like the anthology that he was in. So I, I didn't have not been able to get through them. I there's just something and I love anthologies. I love yeah. anthologies more than most people do. But they're done well. And I just even if they're done badly, I've seen some bad ones that I'm still kind of into, but I just I can't get into All Hallows Eve. I just no, can't do I it. Don't, I don't like it. And um so I wasn't looking forward to that movie necessarily, but we covered it on Devour, and I was really pleasantly surprised. It was a whole lot of fun. Oh, it was. I loved the fact that it was gory as hell. That there was a certain scene, which I'm not giving away if you haven't seen it. <laughs> it made. I mean, I was like, going, what the no, what? Okay, check this out. Picture that scene in your head because I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um. Now, and Brian said, and I just thought this was brilliant. Brian said the only thing that would have made that better is if halfway through he would have stopped and like shook his arm like you know whoo you know and like (laughs) really comically and then kept and then kept going again you know and i was like that would have been hilarious you know because clown you know yeah and it's 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 a really great movie (laughs) i was so impressed with it and like i said i don't care for clowns and I wasn't, I didn't care for the anthology. So I'm like, this is going to be a whatever. But yeah, totally. So much fun. And I can't remember what's on the release schedule for next week. I don't know if we're starting our shark thing yet. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'm so uh, out of order on what the release date, what the releases are right now. And then again, my head has not been screwed on right since June. It's all right. Jamie? Well, um, as usual, there's Married with Children that hits every Wednesday. And uh, this past Wednesday was no different. Next Wednesday won't be either. Um, We just recorded the 
Patreon exclusive show, uh, which is the our end of season four wrap up. And um, so we do like special shows for patrons, you know, periodically. And um, so we just recorded that one and it was really fun. That was Jerry Herring and Dan and Alex and me. And uh, it was just we had a really good time with that. Um, Just recently released a new episode of Devour where we talked about Hereditary and Veronica amongst a lot of other crazy bullshit because that's what we do. Uh, that was a fun show. It was a very long show, but we had a really good time. We only get together once a month, so it we tend to just get lost in conversation because that's the only time I ever get to talk to those guys, so it was super fun. Um, we have the our episode of ABCs of Hidden Horror that should be coming. I mean, I know I keep saying this. I just honestly... I. I just have had no time to edit. I really haven't. I'm, I'm just, I'm working every second. And um, one of these days, I really, really want to get to it. But like, for instance, I was like, oh, I can maybe get to it on the weekends because on the weekends, I only work in the evenings. But like this Saturday, I have to, in the morning, I have to take Fester to the vet because I'm worried about him. And then on Sunday, I'm actually going into work early. So that's going to be a, another long day. So it's just, I don't know, but I, it, I have them. We have actually R S and T recorded. <laughs> um, eventually they will come out. I just, um, I don't know when that's going to be, unfortunately, but anyway, um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, this show and the two drink minimum commentaries can both be found on legionpodcast.com with uh, lots of other great shows. I heard our, our numbers are up as far as the network goes in July, so thank you for that, listeners, to everybody involved. Um, yeah, uh, Twitter at GW, Twitter at Cinebeefcast. Uh I think there's an Instagram page that I created, but I didn't do anything with it, so it's just kind of hanging in limbo right now. Uh, Fleas and Flicks charity auction. Uh, happening the first week in December. First weekend in December, it'll be happening. I suppose they had two horror cons within like three weeks of each other, so it's gonna be crazy as far as that goes. I'll be looking, I'll be looking to to haggle with, with some of these great people that you guys all know and love to get some goodies in the auction for you guys. And I'm hoping to hope you guys all show up and show out. It's gonna be uh, on the Facebook event page that I will create for that. Uh, within the next few weeks or a month or so. So keep a lookout for that. I'll be promoting the hell out of that. It all goes to the South Suburban Humane Society. All the proceeds. Uh, No-kill shelter. Um, yeah, that's happening. Uh, besides that, uh, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. I'm hoping we'll be out by the time... Before before this comes out, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm already putting together the, the audio package for the beginning because I lost it and the other computer... This is all part of producing people. It's it's a shit job, but somebody's got to do it. You know, when you lose stuff, you got to make up something. So, it's uh, it's coming soon. Go back to an old episode and rip it off the front. I've had to do that before. You know what? You're not incorrect. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it, that's much easier than having to redo the whole thing all over again. Yes, you're, you're not wrong, and thank you for that. I didn't even cut that out. That's, that's some good, 
got some good using your head brain there, Jammins. You know, I do that on occasion. Yes, <laughs> rare, very rare occasion, but on occasion. <laughs> but uh, that's about it for this one. Uh, and this has been your Sin Beef Podcast. Where if you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. This is in a strange place. People moving out. People moving in. Why? Because of the color of the skin. Run, 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 but you sure can't hide. And I bought a, a tooth for a tooth. Vote for me and I'll set you free. Rap on, brother. Rap on. Well, the only person talking about love and brother is the preacher. And it seems nobody's interested in learning but the teacher. Segregation, determination, demonstration, integration, aggravation, humiliation, obligation to our nation. Sin is a flame in the summertime And all of it goes on Now listen Evolution, revolution, gun control the sound So shooting rockets to the moon Kids going up too soon Politicians say more taxes Will solve everything And the band played on Let me hear, let me hear, let me hear.